Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're in radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bollywood Cinema Club, podcast where we take a look at Indian cinema every other week. I am the host of the Culture Cast, Chris Stashu, the show where this show spun off from. I am joined by my good friend. He is an Indian cinema fan, and he covers all kinds of film from all over the world over at his amazing podcast, the crown jewel of the Weirding Way Media Network, your friend and mine, podcast extraordinaire, Mike White. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. I really appreciate this. Uh, Kamal Hassan fan club starter, Mike White. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We, uh, in, in, um, in Indian cinema month this year, we did one, two, two, two or three Kamal Hassan movies. Cause we did Moondram Parai and then, yeah. um, Richard and I did, um, Pushpaka Vimana, which is a silent movie that Kamal Hassan is in. Oh, and man. now this, uh, Sigapu Rojakal, otherwise known as Kamal Hassan playing a weirdo once again. Oh boy, big time weirdo. <laughs> yeah, like in a way that almost makes uh, Moondram Parai look pastoral <laughs> in, in a way. Oh my God. But yeah, on this episode of the Bollywood Cinema Club, we're going to be talking about the Tamil language film from 1978, Sigapu Rojakal, which you can find on Prime Video for $2. I might be able to find it other places, too. Oh, I watched it on Prime Video. Oh, really? I watch it on YouTube. Oh, well, good. Well, thank yeah. you. Th- th- thank you for also mentioning that. Because, yeah, realistically, most of these movies are on YouTube. Uh, it just remains to be seen if they have good English subtitles. This had English subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The one I watched had English subtitles as well. So we were talking yesterday about the whole thing with Indian people when they switch from English to whatever natural language they're speaking or or dialect they're speaking. That's fine. No problem. But for some reason, I was having such a hard time watching this because the subtitles were not that great and just like slightly off. And so all of a sudden our, our characters would switch from uh telugu to english and then back and then back and then back and i'm just like oh my god what's going on because the 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 english wasn't subtitled yes it sure wasn't was yeah so it's like (laughs) oh wait he just said that in english and then i have to like backtrack (laughs) you didn't spend any money on this and you had the exact same subtitles i did apparently which is (laughs) So don't spend $2 on Prime Video. You'll find the link to this movie in the podcast description on YouTube because there is no need to pay for a bad version of this subtitled when you could get the same bad version subtitled for free. So the film is directed by Bharathiraja and it does star Kamal Hassan and the superstar Sri Devi who I have a greater appreciation for Sri Devi now having watched some of the Netflix documentary The Romantics because she is the first female superstar of Indian cinema to the point where she was working in 
Telugu and Tamil and Hindi films. So she was all over the place. This is the second time we've seen her now, actually, because she was in Mundram Parai opposite Kamal Hassan in that movie. In this movie, Kamal Hassan plays Dilip, a, a businessman who runs a business, but he's old Patrick Bateman, the swan, and he likes to kill him and chase after him and murder him and have sex with him in a way that, once again, evokes a lot of other things that we've seen before. And Sri Devi plays a woman who uh, meets our uh, intrepid murderer, falls in love with him, and, well, as things tend to go awry in these kinds of stories, things go awry. I'd say, uh, Mike, what did you think of Sigapu Rojakal? I really liked it. I had a really fun time with this. Whether it was intentionally fun or not, um, that's yet to be seen. The fashions are amazing. The use of music is wonderful, especially uh, all of a sudden uh, Rose Royce starts playing with and Car Wash comes up on the soundtrack. And I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> and then an entire murder scene set to a Donna Summer song. I'm I'm all about it, man. This is fantastic. Um, yeah, gosh, what an unusual film. And there were so many things where as I was watching it, I was just like, wow, I did not expect that shot. Or, oh, that's a very interesting way that they presented that. There was there's some really cool direction in this movie. And is it ham-handed? Yeah. Is it super melodramatic? Yeah, I really like that about this film. So I had a fun time watching this one. You mentioned the music already. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did they not use like the music cue from The Godfather? Oh, all the time. His watch. Okay. Yeah. It's Nina Rota's love theme from The Godfather, yes. right? Yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. Look, my favorite movie is Goodfellas. And if somebody asks me, it's, it's Goodfellas or Freaked, depending on the audience and whether or not I think somebody's going to know one, because everybody knows Goodfellas. But Goodfellas is great. The Godfather is great, too. And it's so weird to hear that thing in this <laughs> just like constantly <laughs> reoccurring. Yeah. Every time he opens his watch, it plays the little and it's just like, OK, like I get it. It, it does. It doesn't not work, but it's so specifically from one thing. Yeah. Like every other time it's done or it's or if it's used any other way, it's used as kind of in parody to that. So all of that aside, the weirdness of using the Godfather's love theme in your film, uh, this movie's really interesting. It's oh, yeah, it, it's billing itself, I think, as like a psychological thriller. And I think that's the best way to classify it. But it's also in a lot of ways like a slice of life story because the character of Dilip is is rather well adjusted when he's not killing people. Mm-hmm. And the interactions he has with Sri Devi, who plays Sarada, are 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 pretty cute. I mean, they're a very good couple in this movie, just like they were in Moondram Parai. But again, the thing that works here, just like in Moondram Parai, is you know that there is something else going on. Right. And she doesn't. This t- It's kind of like Moondram Parai. The conceit is she doesn't know what's going on in that movie, and she doesn't know what's going on in this one. Yeah, and is a creep in both. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, look, here's the thing. Kamal Hassan is an actor who... I have seen now three times, mentioned Moondram Parai, mentioned Pushpaka Vimana, and now Sigapu Rajakal. And all three characters are I get very similar. Like, I, yeah. you haven't seen Pushpaka Vimana, but oh. you did see Moondram Parai. And this character and the character in Moondram Parai could be brothers, if not mirror images of one another, or like a, a, a slight perversion of one another in a lot of ways. Like one character is willing to do when the other isn't. Out of the light, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much right like yeah y- i'm again like kamal hassan has a charisma about him that really works and it's surprising because again with a lot of these actors in indian cinema that are this charismatic they're not often playing these kind of complex roles right they're p- more playing like oh he's just a good guy and he's a, a-, a great person and you want to cheer for him like I, I had seen things when I was reading that his character of Delete in this movie is a anti-hero, and it's interesting that yeah. that's the take. I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, like your Deadpool, he kills a lot of people, but they all deserve it. I don't think any of the people that get killed in this movie deserve it at all. Right? He's not like righting a societal wrong or doing. I, it's 
he's killing women because of what happened to him when he was a kid. Yeah. Again, like that, you know, Norman Bates, tale as old as time type thing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they. I even wrote in my notes that there's very much the psycho reveal at the end of this. Like when Simon Oakland comes to the audience at the end of Psycho, basically the brother and the lover, uh, or the uh, sister and the lover, you know, are his audience. And he just starts telling, well, Norman had this thing. I mean, that happens in this movie right yeah. at the end of this, right before they reveal. And you're going to have to help me with the end of this once we get to it, because we start off with a with him, with the leap in, uh, in this psycho ward slash jail. And he's there to visit his father every year. And he comes in. And as you're watching it, you're just like, something's not right here. But then the movie kind of continues. And you don't really realize that it's a framing device. At least I didn't until they come back to it at the end. I thought it was just the natural progression of he's in this jail. He visits his father every single year. He leaves. You feel that something's not right. And then the movie starts and then we get to see, okay, he's this businessman and he's got this really creepy sex perv uh, office manager guy. <laughs> Gundamani. Oh. He Jesus. is somehow he's a bigger creep Ooh, yeah. than Kamal Hassan. <laughs> I mean, often in oftentimes in these scenarios when they play out in real life, the the enablers often tend to look worse than even the people committing the crimes because the enablers yes. don't get punished. And, yes, you know, you know Maxwell or whatever the hell her name is is a is a is a uh, is an outlier. Most of those people don't get punished for doing. Essentially, what this guy is doing, because he knows what happens to these women. He's complicit. Oh, he knows this? I thought he was just so lecherous about stuff. I didn't realize that he knew that his boss was going to kill this woman. I mean, it kind of feels like he knows because when the guy's, when the woman's brother comes in, when Chitra's brother comes in, right? he's like, oh, she doesn't work here anymore and she didn't come in. And it's like, it felt like he was covering for his boss. Oh, I, I didn't pick that up. I, I picked up him just like, Oh, that stupid lady. She doesn't even come here anymore. But I kind of like where you're making it more like this Renfield character. Right. Well, I mean, again, like every monster needs kind of his sidekick. If you have this kind of setup where you're just coaxing people in on false pretenses, like it's easier if you have someone else. And he even I mean, he does have other people because he has his, you know, like monstrous human beings at his house that are boy fucking god these like ghouls of human beings who are watching his videos of him murdering women and you know what it it, it's not the level of henry portrait of a serial killer but it's doing the same thing it's trying to evoke that same reaction that feeling that you get of just like being chilled to your core by this character who can present so normal but then is a uh, a sociopath, a complete psychopath. Yeah. And look, I mean, this movie came out in 78. So we're, we're what, a couple years removed from Bundy? Like, I mean, this is in, yeah. this is in Bun, this is Bundy era. So, you know, like this is a, this is a perfect kind of story to tell in this day and age. And look, it's like India didn't have their own serial killers. I mean, this is based a little bit on Raman Raghav, who yeah. went killed, went on a killing spree and was labeled the Jack the Ripper of India. So again, like the Netflix has all these documentaries now about serial killers in India. I don't know if you know about that. No. Um, yeah, uh, Netflix has a series that is devoted almost directly to Indian true crime and serial killers. Oh, that's so funny. I'm going to have to tell... My coworker that recommends a lot of these films to me, she's totally in true crime stuff. So maybe this is like two great tastes that go great together. Well, I mean, that's the thing about this movie is it almost feels kind of docu docudrama esque. I mean, the way it's yeah. filmed, it's very. It's not that it's not a stylistically interesting movie, but most of the movie is filmed very, I'm not going to say cinema verite, but very stylistically devoid. He's just walking funny. around. He's just doing yeah. things like, you know. But there are those flourishes that I brought up at the beginning, like when he's in the sorry shop and scoping out, because he's still scoping out the girl that is applying for the job, the one that he ends up murdering, correct? Yeah, Chitra, she, yeah. She's there, and then our main woman is there as well. And um, where the hell was I going with this? Oh, in this the sorry shop, you see him and her talking. And then she moves out of the picture and the way he starts to move, the camera pulls back and you realize that the whole thing was being shot in, in a mirror. 
And I really liked that. I thought it was a really nice touch. And there's a couple other times throughout the movie where I was just like, oh, okay, they're trying something different here. I kind of agree with you as far as like, there's not big set pieces necessarily other than the end. It is very much a day in the life of this guy or a week in the life or however long this whole courtship stuff goes on for as well. But yeah, this is, this is pretty much, and he, until the end of the film, he pretty much is the star of the show. I I don't think there's too many scenes without him in it. No. And that's again, like, you know, the last time when we talked about a Kamal Hassan movie, when we talked about Moondram Parai, it was, it was also his movie in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Like he, I mean, he was the main character there, but I think here he's a much more interesting character on the screen. Like, again, the character in Moondram Parai is in a lot of ways like kind of a cipher. The, the main focus of that movie is Sri Devi's character, less him. In this movie, it's he is the focus. And so, like yeah. you said, we follow him throughout most of the movie. And we get to see these kind of shots from his point of view sometimes. And again, like there, like you said, there are some interesting things that they do, but this is in a lot of ways just a perverse romance. They're taking the romantic kind of drama that you're expecting and they're perverting it in an interesting way. And I think it really works. I just don't think he's an (laughs) anti-hero because I don't, I, yeah, that's so strange to me, but like I saw it a couple times. So yeah, like he, he's not painted very, it's, it's not ambiguous that he's evil. He's evil. He's just very good at covering it up. Yeah. Doesn't mean he's not evil though. No, and they clue you in pretty early on that he's not a good guy. I mean, it is interesting that they do have that office manager that we see first, and you're just like, oh my God, this guy's a piece of shit. And then you meet, you know, our main character, and it's like, oh, okay, well, he seems nice. And that's like, but no, he's actually worse because he's this terrible monster. Yeah. And this whole thing of like, I mean, there's a lot of eroticism to this movie. I mean, that this guy is basically a sex killer, but. It's so interesting the way that eroticism is portrayed or not portrayed in Indian films. And I've always been fascinated by this because um, years and years ago, I watched the Indian version of Brian De Palma's body double and, you know, the whole thing with Holly body and her dance and all that stuff that they had to have the actress completely clothed, but the guy was just like so enamored by her. And it's like, it goes from lust to love. (laughs) so quickly because it's just like you know rather than oh and then here's this big scene where they have sex it's like oh here's this big scene and they hug and i'm like all right but yeah i love the way that it's just like so chaste but then at the same time that he is this vicious murderer but there are times where you get that sense of violence it feels like they they were really pretty edgy with this film well and you know i i i'm really shocked that we have scenes of the camera footage of him murdering i mean again it's not it's not graphic in the way you would expect it to be but it is grotesque because it's it's not like it's not like there's blood splattering everywhere all over the walls all over the camera it's just violent out of nowhere and they do kind of an interesting thing where it kind of like it starts feeling like the footage starts ramping itself up the way it's being presented to you. And the music kind of ramps up with what's going on. And it just gives you a really interesting kind of inner look at the mind of this character who just kind of, you know, you see it in the scene towards the end of the movie where he's sitting there talking to this policeman who approaches him in the bathroom and the, the audio drops out, the talking drops out and he can't, I, again, I'm assuming that that's just trying to get into the mindset of this character and he's just unable to listen to anything and he just goes ape shit. Oh, that's and, a really good point. Yeah. And he kills that cop, right? But they keep doing this stylistic thing where the audio drops away, at least the dialogue drops away, and it's just the music playing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because those those scenes give you an idea of kind of what this character is dealing with in his head, but at the same time, he he is such a terrible character as just a human being that by the end of it. You wish he had gotten more of a comeuppance is what it feels like, right? Yeah. Yeah. He really should have died, but it should have been more painful. I mean, I'm always fascinated too. Sorry to to keep yammering on, but the the whole idea of the person who impales themselves by accident 
in order to keep the main character's hands blood free. I always appreciate that in movies and it's kind of a whoops. I fell and got a cross through the chest in this one, <laughs> right. but he's okay. Don't worry, folks. He's all right. He's going to go to the mental institution. So tell me, Chris, kind of, cause we're right here by the end of the movie. There's him looking like almost comatose and like staring at the camera. And then we cut and then it's the beginning scene again. So I'm like, all right, this is, this is him. He's, this is from the beginning of the movie. Like I'm thinking, is this at the end of the movie? Is this the beginning of the movie? Is this actually like what we saw was his whole fantasy and like he go, he pretends that he's visiting the mental institution, even though he's actually locked up there and it's the guard was just humoring him the whole time. Just like, oh yeah, you know, that that's great. Yeah. No, we'll see you next year. You know, like I, I don't know what was happening here. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I, it, it adds it in a different layer to this movie mm-hmm. because it does kind of bring back to light the weirdness of the opening scene. Right. Because that first scene is strange. Right? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is strange. Like the way he's treated when he's in the prison. I mean, look, does the film benefit from it being told in that weird kind of it's all a dream, but not really thing? Like, I don't know if the the movie's better or worse for it. Yeah. If that were to be the case. But I think what's interesting is it it does do something to kind of show that there may be something. Because that final scene of him just staring out into space. Right. Is really, really arresting. I mean, he is just the look on Kamal Hassan's face. He looks nothing like the character you've seen this entire movie either. He's pretty much unrecognizable. He has short hair. He has short facial hair. Like he looks very different from the character we've been following wearing his bell bottom pants and leather jacket. So, oh my God, the <laughs> outfits in this movie are wild, man. Oh, wow. I don't know if you saw I posted on my Facebook that the scene of the sorry shop when it's all of those bright colors behind him and he's wearing that plaid jacket that's just like, oh my God. It's like, do not trust this man. <laughs> if this man, if this man is uh, telling you about style tips, run away. <laughs> well, and it, what's really funny is, I mean, it feels so of the time, like oh, in a lot of oh, ways, yeah. right? Like seventy-eight, the way he's dressed, he just looks so much like the. the he looks the like the he looks the part of the kind of like a creep in the oh, late seventies, like just the yeah. way he dresses, the way he acts. But again, like I, I can completely see why Sri Devi's character falls for him because he's quiet. Yeah, I mean, like ultimately he is just kind of a quiet guy you know in 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 something like american psycho which i brought up at the beginning of this show i kind of have a hard time understanding why anybody likes patrick bateman because he's just like so unlikable as a character and it's like no the only way this works is if everybody else is as unlikable as he is which is exactly what brett easton ellis does in the book is everybody's just a complete conceited yuppie piece of shit and and that has that's the only way that that really works here he could never have been a Bateman-esque character. He had to be more of a Norman Bates character because otherwise it right. just, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And and Sri Devi's character would not, I think, believably have been able to fall in love with and be, again, taken taken in by because that's ultimately what it is. He's taken, I mean, she's taken in by him because she doesn't, is not able to tell what is his deal. And similarly to Moondram Parai, she is kind of, I don't know, like, uh, oblivious and innocent yeah Na- naive like overly naive yeah yeah it's i feel bad for her. i mean she's such a good girl and you know like that she won't just jump into bed with them and that she has to go through the whole courting process and all this i'm like okay you know and it almost feels like maybe he's gonna change his ways for a little bit and- right yeah like oh he'll be you know renewed by this very pure woman but no, no, that's that's not the case. Sorry. <laughs> no, not not even remotely. I mean, so what's really interesting about her in this movie versus something like Moondram Parai is in a lot of ways she's playing a similar character. Again, a character who is not who does not have all of a piece, all the pieces of information to be able to make the correct decision. But I think I like this performance just as much as the Moondram Parai one. At least this one doesn't have that laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I liked her better in this. And I think it might have just been the laugh, but. I don't think it was just that. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, the laugh was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. 
But I like that she, you know, she's our investigator and eventually kind of starts to figure stuff out. But then we get a shot of a hand in a, like in a garden pretty early in that whole sequence that she doesn't react as strongly as I think that she should. To a hand in the rose bush. Yeah. 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 I do like that, that like that little kind of conceit of where he's burying the bodies. I mean, oh, yeah. I feel like it's again, like it's very, this, this movie feels not Shakespearean, but it has that kind of grandiosity to it, where it's like mm-hmm. he's burying the bodies under the rose bush, and it's and then like he a puts gothic a romance, yeah, and then he puts a flower in his pocket, and it's from the rose bushes of the dead women. Like, oh my god, it's so goth. It's just mm-hmm. so I I really appreciate that this movie blends the sensibilities of that with Indian cinema because this movie we have a scene where Kamal Hassan, a murderer is singing and dancing. Yes, it is a, I guess it's a dream sequence, but like in Mahakal, the movie that Heather and I watched, that's the Indian cinema version of Nightmare on Elm Street, the monster doesn't sing in that movie. And right. I, Heather and I contended that the movie would have been better if they had used music to kind of give the monster some characterization. And here, it's not really used that way, but it's used in a way that doesn't feel like, oh, I'm supposed to, now get into this song that a fee, you know a woman murderer is singing and dancing. To. Right, right. Yeah, the times that the songs come up the most seem to be those times where you're like, oh, he can change. He can be a different person. Right. Or when randomly the Godfather's music starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> or Car Wash or uh, I Feel Loved. <laughs> yeah, like I think I Feel Love might have been the most surprising thing. Yeah. Well, and I, like I said before, I thought it was pretty effective. And you mentioned the whole thing where like everything cuts out when he's killing that waiter guy in the, in the restroom as well. It's like, I was surprised by how stylish that was. Yeah. I, and you know, I, I really like, I think I really like the parts of this movie where it's Kamal Hassan's character kind of doing his thing. Cause again, it's just not something we've really seen in Indian cinema. You know, this movie would inspire so many other, including a remake of this movie in 1980. Uh, but yeah, there were a couple. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. A so. remake by the same director. Yeah, but that, isn't, that, isn't that Moondram Parai? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's funny, just like that he directed this one, but in Hindi. And I found that one out on archive.org, but there's no subtitles, but I like flip through it. It's still the Godfather on the pocket watch. <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. Why change it? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, really. But this, this movie also ushered in like Tamil films that had, you know, psycho killers, you know, yeah. to quote, to quote David Byrne. Uh, but the the weirdest thing, and this was something that you had mentioned to me, and then I went and looked into, was that they were going to make a sequel to this movie, and it was going to be the director's son, Manoj, making a sequel to this movie with Sri Devi and possibly Kamal Hassan as well mm. in like 2014, mm. which is kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I've seen the 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 Indian version of Silence of the Lambs. I know how you, you know, do this with serial killers and movies, but it feels wrong now. It feels like it'd be really to have this killer. I don't know. I'm I again like I I just I think this this kind of story was very of a time and of a place. And I think that this kind of like story maybe has been done to death at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sexually frustrated sexual killer. Like again not that it's not entertaining, because it is. Not that it hasn't worked, because it has. But it's just, and I'm not going to say you've seen them one, you've seen them all, but in a lot of ways, kind of, like, Psycho. If you've seen Psycho, you've kind of seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. And that's, But that's not a knock at this movie or at Psycho, but this kind of movie, this genre of film, tends to follow very similar 
tropes and similar. And it has a similar kind of direction that it's going. And this movie more or less does exactly that, including what, like you mentioned, replicating the ending of Psycho down to a, we're going to explain what was going on with our, with our hero, quote unquote. But I think here, what makes it interesting is everything that Indian cinema injects into it. The weird style of the, like the shots that they're using, the music, and then the fashion all feel, and and, then obviously the setting, but it all feels uniquely Indian cinema. And that really sets it apart in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah, I was fascinated by this, and I just kept thinking, "What where are they going to go? You know, like wh- how far can they take this? How far do they want to take this?" And yeah, just seeing it from this perspective, yeah, you know, like that they have this thing where they're at a temple, and she wants to buy a statue of a god, and uh, she picks one, and he's just like, "Oh no, no, that's that's so cheap. Let let me buy this more expensive one." She's like, "No, no, this one's fine," and then that. God statue seems to inspire her later on when she's being chased around the house by the really creepy manservant and the horrible father figure. And man, oh my God, that flashback sequence, especially when we get to his quote unquote mother and father, the second set, the real creep father. Oh my God, that was, that was something. Yeah. Again, we don't get that in Psycho. We don't, and in a lot of these movies, we don't ever get those scenes. We hear about them in expository dialogue because, again, Simon Oakland, you know, just lays it all out for us. Right at the end of that movie, like it was actually really nice to see the scene, and that mm-hmm. feels oddly less conservative than I was expecting from yeah. this movie. Though you don't see the father murder the mother, right? Y- yeah, and it's again not presented in a gory or over the top. Right. Yeah. It just it felt like they she just disappeared, and so did the lover. Well, and like, I mean the, uh, that's the other thing. I mean Chitra, the woman that also worked at the sari shop with Serata, she just disappears. Yeah. Just you know, one moment her brother's looking for, her and you're like, oh, she's gone. <laughs> right. She's gone now. I guess like yeah, it's like which, magic. Yeah. Which I mean, I actually I, I appreciate that kind of uh, storytelling device of just. You know, get it, it, that is Henry Portrait of the Serial Killer. Like, yeah. get, somebody gets in the car with him, and then the next scene, he has their lighter in his pocket. Like, and it's like the less the less that's said about it, the better, because whatever you're thinking happened is probably way worse than what actually happened. Yeah, like, and and yeah. and that's an effective storytelling device that really works in this film's favor. Because yeah, it, again, I was surprised the scenes that we do get because I there is a level of conservatism that i expect from indian cinema even if it is south india which south indian cinema seems to be a little bit more transgressive hmm. which i appreciate like moondram parai felt very transgressive in a lot of ways. it did yeah and but again in a way that helps push cinema as a whole especially indian cinema kind of in an interesting direction because Sri Devi, I mean, again, she is a star of a magnitude that, again, most Westerners cannot comprehend. And again, we have this conversation every time we do this show about how Indian actors are perceived in India and how they're venerated like gods. Sri Devi was a Indian actress who worked in all of the cinema of India. And and when she would go on to work with people like Yash Chopra, that was a big deal because she was going to work in Hindi film. But here is where she's showing the rest of cinema in India what she can do because it's her and Kamal Hassan in this, her and Kamal Hassan in Moondram Parai. And then she starts starring in other you know, Indian language films throughout India. But this is kind of the early on moments of her career and kind of setting herself up to be Again, later in her career, seen as the first female superstar of Indian cinema, which is a big deal. Oh, yeah. 283 credits to her name. I think the only thing that uh, made her stop working was that she passed away in 2018. Which is a shame. Yeah. Because in the Romantics documentary on Netflix, she is sorely missed because they talk a lot about her. A lot about her. And they talk a lot about her films in again more or less in you know the in the yash raj film kind of camp but they do mention about why she worked with him because again she was a massive star in south indian cinema so again that's why i go out of my way on the show to make sure it's clear to everybody indian cinema is not just bollywood so her cutting her bones and cutting her teeth on south indian cinema with someone like kamal hassan allows her to then go and work with other people in these other areas that, again, would continue to elevate her visibility. And 
you mentioned she passed away. She accidentally drowned, oh. which is like f- fucking terrible. Because again, she is, if you listen to the people in that documentary and you see her in this movie and in Moondram Parai, she is, she commands your attention when she's on screen, regardless of what she's doing. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's pretty amazing. Yeah, I like her a lot. And again, I, you know, I, I tend to not focus on one kind of cinema when it comes to Indian cinema, because I, I like to see South Indian and, and Bollywood. But I, for whatever reason, South Indian cinema is just, it seems to resonate with me in a way that feels m- not more exciting, but it feels like the, the chances that they were taking resonate with me personally more. Because, I mean, this film feels very, again, transgressive. Like, it's just so strange. And it's such a interesting subject material that I don't think they were... I don't think they were tackling this in Bollywood cinema in 78. They were doing more like Amitabh stuff because that's when Amitabh was kind of coming up in the industry and becoming the, quote, angry young man of Indian cinema to the point where he's the one man, what I think they called him, like a one man cinema, (laughs) cinema's production world, like or something to that effect. But I mean, South Indian cinema just feels more kind of and not interesting, but willing to take some chances that that feel less in line with what you're expecting from Indian cinema of the time. Yeah, it feels it almost feels like that feeling you get when you watch the documentary about exploitation, where it's just like they were edgy and they were taking a lot of chances. It feels like these were the bad boys compared to like, oh, the guys up, you know, in in Bollywood, they do their thing. Us Hollywood guys, we're gonna do the real stuff. Right. And and I I appreciate that about these movies because again, you know, the last movie I talked about with Kamal Hassan was an Indian silent film. And it was like the only one. Like there's not very many that exist outside of when they were originally made. Right. right. But Kamal Hassan is in it. And Kamal Hassan is in this. And then Kamal Hassan is in Moondram Parai, a movie which its subject material is very unpalatable. But again, like by tackling these interesting subject materials and these topics that, again, I don't feel like we're being confronted in other parts of Indian cinema, it really elevates i think everybody because it just in my mind it shows like we're willing to have more interesting conversations and talk about less mainstream ideas in a way that maybe brings attention to them and i I, again like i don't know what attention they needed to bring to here other than you know women are being taken advantage of by terrible men but hey it's an interesting story at least it's an it's an entertaining story i don't know if there's any educational value to be gleaned from it but it is entertaining and it is very much not what I even when you because you you mentioned this movie to me last time we recorded and like I it didn't sound like the kind of movie that would make sense in Indian cinema. Right. Yeah. That's why when I saw it and I don't even remember what caught my eye, but I was just like, oh, wow, this looks different. Right. It's probably Kamal Hassan because we had just watched that Kamal Hassan movie. It was probably like uh, you may also like on Amazon. He's probably trying to see what other ones of his are available for free on Prime. Right. Well, I uh, I think the other thing that I did really appreciate about this movie is there's a scene where they use a lot of lighting. And you mentioned the, 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 the god statue at one point. And they do this interesting thing on the god statue where the lighting is kind of oscillating and it's kind of showing yeah. one side of the face and the other side of the face. And there's a scene that it matches up with in the movie where you see Kamal Hassan with the red and the blue on his face kind of, you know, half and half. And it was like an interesting callback because, again, like it's just the things that they do when they do them are interesting. I just think in- injecting those kind of stylistic choices into a slice of life story mm-hmm. makes this a lot more interesting than than oh, Moondram yeah. Parai. Then Moondram Parai. I actually was much more entertained by this movie than I was by Moondram. Uh, I think I was, too. I definitely think I was. And, yeah, like um, you're talking about stylistic stuff. The... um the moment in the disco with the woman that's dancing. And I kept thinking, is that the woman that was dead? Is this kind of like, again, like a flashback type of thing, but I really like the way that they don't show her face. And it was so much just the body and the silhouette as she was dancing. And that we just kept getting closer and closer to her as we've got him watching. And I was reminded too of like, a. Uh, Jallo films just because it might be because he had to put on black gloves before he killed somebody. But I was just like, yeah, there's some elements here of like a, uh, a Jallo. Yeah. When he kills that, the, the cop in the bathroom, he like 
I love that they take that shot and they show it of like him pulling his gloves out of his back pocket. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's again, like it's so good. And I haven't seen any other films from the director Baron Theodraja. So I, again, I would, I wanted to watch Red Rose. I came to the same realization that you did, which is I couldn't find a English subbed version of it, which that feels like a really shitty way to not be able to find a movie and watch it. But again, I, I get it. It's, this is not the first time, the last time we've dealt with this. I mean, at least it's not like when we did China Gate, which was, you know, you know, halfway impossible to find. So at least this movie exists somewhere. But he's still working, still making movies as recently as uh, last year. Wow. So, yeah, with the Thiruchi Trambalam, which is a romantic comedy. So, and that's the thing, like, I, I honestly don't, South Indian cinema is just, it's its own thing. I'm not saying I don't know a lot about it, but it, it is so much its own thing that it, it's, it's a whole nother world you have to immerse yourself into with their own stars and their own people that are venerated, like Rajnikanth, like uh, Chiranjeevi, like Kamal Hassan, like Sri Devi. Those are all actors that are venerated because of their work in South Indian cinema. Because I, I, I don't know how much Bollywood films Rajnikanth does. I, I would wager a guess it's less than the Tamil films that he did. Because as far as I'm concerned, Rajnikanth is a South Indian superstar, not a Bollywood superstar. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Have some. <laughs> um, I, what else? Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm just really glad that you, you know, agreed to do this one. It, it was different and yeah i think it, i like that it went farther than moondram parai and i like i said i was willing to watch the uh hindi remake i really wanted to find subs but those were impossible to find um but yeah I, i'm definitely interested in seeing more of this filmmaker and kamal hassan and sri devi's work i mean they did all three of them work together many times or was this uh, just kind of a few things? I mean, again, Kamal Hassan was a was a was a really big South Indian star around the same time that Sri Devi was. So it would probably stand the reason they worked together more. Again, I don't have the list in front of me, but I mean, someone like Salman Khan and Katrina Kef have worked together like five times in, in, in recent memory. Uh, SRK and Kajol have worked together God knows how many times at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if they worked together multiple times because again i mean moondram pariah is kind of what put kamal hassan on the map and that was obviously opposite sri devi so it would stand to reason that you know i mean remember that they were in that sequel together or requill or remake of sadma the wasn't sadma just moondram pariah the hindi version of it yeah. So, and they were both in that together so it would probably stand to reason they work together a lot and they have great chemistry too that's the thing, you know, Kamal Hassan is an interesting actor. He has an interesting look, but he has an undeniable charisma about him. And, you know, again, I hate to compare Indian actors to American actors because it feels unfair to the Indian actors. But if we were to compare the energy that Kamal Hassan has, what American actor would be a close analog, in your opinion? Because I kind of have my own thoughts, but I'm curious now that you and I have seen two of these movies with Kamal Hassan. Is there anyone that kind of has similar energy in American cinema? I hate where my mind went, but I went to Steve Buscemi for some reason. I don't know if it's just the looks or what. I was going to say someone like a, I mean, someone like, not like a De Niro, but maybe like a Pacino. I can see that. Like yeah. a quiet, like like that, that whole quiet thing that Pacino does, the stare and well, kind of just- Used to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Until he had to scream all the time. Who <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean- P Pacino pre Duncachino Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that, that kind of like quiet intensity. Because that's the thing. I mean, Kamal Hassan, the characters that he's played in the two movies that you and I have seen him in, and then the third movie that I saw with Richard, he is very understated. But his understatedness is what works because I, not that I couldn't believe him being this big, bombastic person, but he doesn't need to be to be convincing and charismatic. And it totally works in Moondram Parai to the point where his relationship with Sri Debbie isn't as off-putting as it would have been otherwise. In this movie, he is a lot more, I think, relatable of a character because of how quiet the intensity is. And he's not, you know, hey, Paul. He's not doing any of that nonsense. Like, And in Pushpaka Vimana, again, obviously dialogue-free movie, but he has this quiet intensity there too. So 
I like him a lot. He has a yeah. very different energy than someone like Amitabh or SRK. I wonder if Kamal Hassan is kind of always the same in a lot of his movies because the three movies I've seen all kind of feel very in the same vein of one another in terms of his performance. So I wonder if if we were to watch another Kamal Hassan movie that's not a Sri Devi film, that's maybe more of a contemporary film, it would be interesting to see kind of where his career progressed and where he would go as an actor. Because again, having seen these three movies, they all feel like you could triple bill these movies. And I think by the end of it, you'd be like, I can see the through line here as to why you picked these three movies to watch together. Mm -hmm. He's in one called Tick, Tick, Tick that looks interesting, where he is a fashion photographer who gets embroiled in a series of grizzly murders. I mean, I'm, I'm game. I'm there. I'm there for any of this. You don't even have to pitch any of this that hard to me. You just say, <laughs> it's, it, it's a movie that looks interesting. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. Like, let's do it. Cool. I'm always, and that's the thing, I'm always game because I, I don't, it's not that I don't know enough about Indian cinema, but I don't know as much as I want to know. And the only way... To know more is to either do the research or watch the movies or both. And I'm not going to sit here and read all about these movies and not watch them because, boy, sitting and watching that romantics documentary, it's like, oh, I've got like 300 movies now I need to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it will add a lot to your watch list. Yeah. Yeah. And like some of the things I've seen already. So that's good. But I'm really hoping I'm really hoping that somebody does. And again, I would love to be involved in some way. And that's a fucking pie in the sky dream. But. I would love if somebody would do an in a, a Indian cinema documentary or docu-series the way all these genre films in American cinema get, you know, their massive five hours and then five hours and then five hours like that horror documentary series did where it's like, just beat me over the head with it. But I want that for Indian cinema because, again, the thing on Netflix is a tad myopic because it's about one production house and it's right. made by that production house. I'm not complaining, but... Again, like there's a lot more going on. I appreciate that that's very much the expectation with Indian cinema and Yash Raj films kind of fulfills those expectations for the Indian viewers and for Westerners who are watching those movies because that's where our expectation of what the movies are kind of came from with the beautiful colors and the singing and the dancing and the kind of bombastic over the top performances. That's like a Yash Raj film thing. So I would love to see one that has, you know, Kamal Hassan and Rajnikanth and talks about South India or Hollywood. even. Again, Hollywood, something I'm even less familiar with. And we, I don't, I'm not even sure I've seen a call. So, I don't know if I have, no. So, I mean, again, like there's so much and so many places to go. I mean, they mention it in the Netflix documentary. India makes seven to 800 films a year. Oof, That's wow. so many. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know how many we make in the United States, but it's not that many. It can't be, right? Like, No, I mean, I don't know, even at the height of the studio system, how many movies we're making here. I don't feel like 800 is a number that was approachable. No. <laughs> and I mean, again, like you mentioned, I mean, go and look at a lot of these actors' credits. They have, how much did you say Sri Devi had? Like 283. Like, that's like puts James Hong to shame. Like, yes. you know, like, James Hong has a hundred film credits. Hold my beer, pal. Right. Like, yeah. Again, like in American cinema, I totally get it. But in Indian cinema, it's like it, cinema is life. Like it is the it is in a lot of ways the lifeblood of the country. And when when one of your massive forms of entertainment is me in the media is film to the point where it's an event, there are going to be a lot of movies and there are a lot of people in India and a lot of people need to be entertained and a lot of people have all kinds of beliefs and things that they want and seven to 800 movies a year seems like enough to maybe satiate the need for entertainment. But yeah, I would love to see something more kind of holistically Indian cinema because again, as someone who is kind of throwing themselves into this head first, I, even I have some blind spots within Indian cinema that I'm trying to kind of deal with like Hollywood. So, so that final, nice. so I final, go ahead, go ahead. Not only would I like that, you know, five hours on this, five hours on that, but I would love it if, like you were saying, we just like, here's comedies, you know, and comedies could probably be subdivided into so many. It's like right now they're celebrating, uh, screwball comedies on, on TCM. I mean, that's one brand of comedy. You know, like what kind of like weird subgenre comedies do they have in India? Like so far, I haven't seen anything that is just straight comedy. Right. Maybe, maybe PK, but even that, I'm not sure. But 
P- P- PK maybe, but remember that scene in PK where uh, that like people get blown up by terrorists? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually think if I were to sit here and think like, what's the closest I've seen to a comedy in Indian cinema? I, it's either PK or Three Idiots. But even Three Idiots felt more dramedy, mm-hmm. less like straight comedy. I haven't seen a straight comedy yet. Yeah. But that's a good transition into the next thing that you and I are talking about, Mike. <laughs> because at some point in the near future, you're going to hear Mike and I talk about Astaya Pirai. Uh, Jesus Christ. I always fuck the second word up. Okay. We're going to be talking about Asaya, Asaya Piravi, which features uh, one of my favorite Indian actors. And I know one that has definitely taken uh, taken your heart by storm. The one and only superstar Rajnikant. <laughs> that shit's just stuck in my head permanently. You're welcome. Him and Triptych will never get old. Him singing to himself three times. And look, I think for me, like my heart will always belong to Rajnikanth because he was uh, that was the first Indian cinema film I saw was Entharad. And mm. like I look, I saw it on the flight to India, so I can't remove those two things from one another. And this movie that we're going to be watching the next time you and I do one of these episodes is also where the little superstar, I guess, is what the meme is. But if you're if you were around in the late 2000s, you would have seen a clip of a little Indian dwarf actor, midget actor, diminutive actor dancing in front of Rajnikanth on the table. That's where this comes from. So a lot of people have seen this clip and don't know what it's from, myself included. So it was just weird to see (laughs) the 108 minutes before it and the 240 minutes afterwards. (laughs) Right. Honest to God, boy, isn't that the truth? I mean, the funny thing is, like, I saw this clip when I was in high school, and like, it was for a band that I liked, and they put their music in the spot where the music from the clip was. And like, I can't unthink about that now because we're going to be talking about that movie, and it features again Rajnikanth, who he's just like looks like the the nicest guy, just like the most nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm super excited to talk about that with you, Mike. And thank you so much for bringing Sigapu Rojakal to the table because this was a fun, fun, strange, interesting movie. Yeah. Let's keep it going, man. Let's get some more fun and strange stuff going. So when you're not here talking uh, Indian cinema with me, Mike, where could people find what you do? You can find, well, obviously, if if you're listening to this show, you know where all the good stuff is at over at weirdingwaymedia.com, where you can also find some shows that I work on, including The Projection Booth, or you can get it at projectionboothpodcast.com. But why go there when you're already at weirdingwaymedia.com? He said it. I don't have to. This show, BollywoodCinemaClub.com, social media if you're interested, but that shit's a drag. We all know it. Let's just be honest about it. Uh, As for this show on iTunes, like, rate, and review wherever you get it, but more than likely iTunes, it helps us find our audience and it helps our audience help other people find Indian cinema. And we're on the cusp, folks. Two years from now, maybe even a year from now, we're going to have been ahead of this. I promise you that. I, I can almost guarantee it. You can the- get in on the ground level <laughs> yeah. and then tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and we'll all be <laughs> watching Indian cinema. And we don't even have to have a pyramid scheme. No. I mean, it sounds like one. It's an upside down triangle. That's right. <laughs> and as always, uh, thank you, Mike, for joining me. It's it's a lot of fun. It's I mean, hey, you know, the two of us getting a podcast together, I don't think either one of us are ever going to play it. So. Well, I always appreciate the invite, sir. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.